How are we doing tonight, everybody? Good? Like two woos? That's always good. That makes me feel good about tonight. How are we doing, everybody? That was really not that much better. That's okay. Uh, we uh, tonight have a topic that I, I'm excited for because I think it's, I think it's needed. But I also just, I want to be completely honest right out of the gate. And you know this, not every, not, like no one person can know everything about everything. If you have friends who act like they know everything about everything, they don't, uh, maybe get better friends. But tonight's topic is not one that, that I personally am probably the most qualified person to, to speak on. Uh, we are talking about anxiety. We are in our series, All the Feels. Uh, we've been talking about our inner selves. Uh, and our theme verse for this series, if you remember, it's Proverbs 4.23, which says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Not just this organ that pumps blood. That Hebrew word, it stands for your inner self, your thoughts, your emotions, your will. So who you are on the inside, it matters. It matters a lot. It affects basically everything in your life. So we started out talking about love. I thought Lynn crushed it last week, talking about bitterness. And bro yeah, y'all clap it up for Lynn. She crushed it. <laughs> talking about bitterness and broken relationships. And I sincerely hope that if that was you, you took some steps this week and you reached out to somebody and you, as much as it depends on you, are seeking to live at peace. That's Romans 12, I believe, 18. Uh, but we want to guard our heart and we want to deal with these things. And so tonight we're talking about anxiety. The statistics tell us that one in every three teenagers struggles with anxiety at some point. So look to the person on your left. Look to the person on your right. If they look incredibly stable, it's probably you. No, I'm, I'm kidding. That's terrible. Uh, the reality is it could be all three of you sitting there. And some of you are like, no one was sitting beside me. <laughs> cool. Great. That's fine. But that's what statistics tell us. And those statistics predate the last two years. Can anybody think of any reason why in the last couple of years anxiety might have gone up? Yeah, not, not a single reason. Sure, me neither. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you wouldn't think there was a reason if you lived in the woods, like completely cut off from society, no social media, no news, none of that. The reality is anxiety is rampant. And, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I know for a fact that, that there are people in this room not just you high school students who struggle with anxiety. And again, I feel woefully inadequate because that's, that's not been a struggle of mine. I've been very transparent with you over the years. I have a ton of struggles. Please don't hear me saying like, I'm better than you because I am certainly not. Uh, but this has not been a, a particular area of struggle for me. So this week I've done so much research. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about I was printing stuff off from the Child Mind Institute and like national... Um, National Institute for Mental Health, and, and I was reading these peer-reviewed articles, and I tried really hard this week to, to be equipped to talk about this, but I have a safety net. It's always good. Everybody say, hi, Gene. This is Dr. Gene Beckner. He's the head of our care department here at Brookwood. Some of you just need to know, we have a care department. You're like, what do they do? They care. It's awesome. That's right. Uh, if you are in a position where you need to talk to somebody in a professional sense, uh, you want to get connected with some counseling, you want to do any number of those different things, Gene and his department can help you, and Gene will actually be speaking next week. So tonight I'm talking about anxiety. Next week, Gene's going to talk about depression. Uh, they're often viewed as, as two sides of the same coin, but the reality is they are separate, 
though they are a lot of times interwoven. Uh, and Gene is sitting here in the front so that if I say anything crazy, uh, he's going to flag me down. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about this. I discovered uh, a lot of graphs like this this week, this anxiety cycle. It starts off here at the top. You're anxious about something. Like you're, you're deeply concerned over it. You're worried about it. You're just, it's stuck in here. So then you just avoid it, right? Like if I just pretend it's not there, everything will be better. And we all know how that goes. You do, in fact, get a little bit of short-term relief. You're like, ha-ha, my head is in the sand. Nothing is going to get me. But then over time, that anxiety really just grows because the problem hasn't been dealt with. And so it just loops around and around and around. Nod your head if that makes sense. Some of you are like, this is me. This is scary accurate. Uh, Several things I want you to hear from me tonight, and and if you didn't already grab a handout when we were in groups, uh, now's a good time to go do that. Uh, On the front here, your first blanks are this. There is hope and help. There is hope and help. Don't sleep on hope. It's one of those churchy terms, like what does it even really mean? It can mean a lot to somebody who's hanging by a thread. And maybe you've been in a place where you feel like, and there's no hope. And if that's you, maybe that's you right now, my heart breaks for you. And I want you to hear from me, there is in fact hope. I don't believe we're ever in a situation where there's no hope. I think in Christ, we have a hope that not just for this life, but for the one to come. Hebrews 11.1, if you want to write this down, says that uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, but not yet seen. There is hope for you, not just for the person beside you who seems so perfect, but for you. There's also help. You do not have to shoulder all the things that you're carrying by yourself. If you've been here with us for any amount of time, you've heard me harp on community. If I've come into your FCA or into your school, like this is the thing, I talk about it all the time. Why do I talk about it? Because I think it's so important. You can get help. and In fact, you might be in a position right now where you need to get some help. Stop trying to do this thing on your own. Get some help. And I want you to hear this from me. Uh, I think we've got great people in this church who can help you. I can try to help you. Your group leaders can help you. You've got some great peers here who can help you. But sometimes as you're wrestling with some of these things inside of you, you need some professional help. And that's not bad. We've got to get rid of that stigma that it's bad or wrong or demeaning or degrading. And go sit with a professional counselor. And if you need to take that step, I just want to show you this graph. Uh, I reached out to Gene's department. I said, hey, where do we send people? This is a counseling referral list. Don't worry. I know it's small right now. You're like, I need to see this, but I don't want to like take my phone out because then what will people think? First of all, stop caring so much about that. Second of all, come see me. I've got this. It's got a whole list of counselors, their credentials, The more letters, the better, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Their areas of specialty, where they work, phone numbers, emails. If you're just like, I know I've needed somebody, but I just haven't taken the time to go find who that somebody could be. We did that for you. So there is hope and there is help. And maybe some of these people could be that help for you. Come see me after if you want that list. Tonight, we're going to look at Psalm 23. Uh, and you already did that together in your groups. Uh, The group I sat in with was like, the whole, the whole chapter? It's only six verses. We did it, everyone. Congratulations. We did it. Um, you ever been to an old school church where like, they're like, please stand in honor of the reading of God's word? Anybody remember that? Okay, missed a couple people. And then you look and you're like, we're reading this whole chapter. Oh, no. But today it was only six verses. Uh, and this is a passage that most often is read where? Funerals. 
And it can be an incredible source of hope there, but man, I think it can be helpful for us even when we're not at a funeral. So I know you've already spent some time in this passage, so I won't, won't rest here too, too long. But I do want to just, I want to kind of pace through each of these. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Can you say that? You have all that you need. I think a lot of us get real focused on the things we want and, and we stop, if we would stop, we would realize that, that God has provided for us in, in some incredible ways. I love the picture painted here in verse 2. He leads me to, to rest in green meadows beside peaceful streams. Some of you are like, I hate outside. I sweat immediately. There's bugs. Hear me. This is supposed to be a serene, peaceful picture. I think it's so, so good. It says that he renews my strength and guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Hey, if you're hanging on by a thread, you're like, how could I even possibly face what's coming up this week? Well, according to Scripture, God can renew your strength. And that's actually something that's repeated over and over and over, Old and New Testament. I think that's so beautiful. The group I sat in with, this was the verse that really stood out to them, and it was for me as well. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. I think most of the time we want God to lead us around the valley. I just don't think that's how life works most of the time, at least in my experience. You will go through valleys. You just will. Things will go wrong. People will come against you. You will fail to meet your own expectations. It can be any number of different things. And when you find yourself in that valley, I want to encourage you that God is there with you as well. and He can lead you through it. But some of us just get so mad. Why would God do this to me? Why would he allow this to happen to me? Why wouldn't he just let me go around this? And for those of us in this room who have really been in some deep valleys, you know those are some of the most shaping, forming times of your life. You can't truly appreciate the light unless you've ever been in that dark. And he is with you. You don't have to be afraid. Again, there is hope. This verse is interesting. It says that you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies and you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Some of us feel like we're scraping the bottom of that cup and we're dry and we're dusty. And according to scripture, God will cause your cup to overflow. That even in the midst of everything going wrong, he can bless you in ways that people wouldn't even believe. And this verse, I think, gives us some eternal perspective as well. There's this picture, if you go into the book of Revelation, of this feast that we will one day get to share with Jesus. And I've had some days, and you probably have too, where you're like, Jesus, come on. Things are rough out here. And there's hope because one day we will get to enjoy that with him forever. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Some of us look at this verse, we don't think that can possibly be true for us, but it can be. And I believe it is. But do you believe that? That God's goodness and love pursues you? Some of us can't see that because we're so caught up in anxiety. And you can be anxious about any number of different things. I, I jotted down a few. Uh, and, and again, don't, don't raise your hand. Some of us struggle with social anxiety. Just being around other people is difficult. 
And again, that's not one I identify with. I get recharged being around people. I come home on Sunday nights and Julie's like, you need to chill out. Because I'm like, hey, I talked to all these people and I hung out. It was great. And blah, blah. She's like, just please take the kids. Go away. Um, but for, for some people, like just the thought of walking into a room where you don't know as many people it can be really tough. You can, you can have social anxiety. I think many high school students in particular struggle with performance-based anxiety. Like, am I going to measure up? Can I be good enough? Will my grades meet the mark? Or am I going to be good enough when we step onto the field or the court or wherever? Like, when the lights are brightest, can I measure up? Will I, will I hit my goals? Some of you perhaps have health-based anxieties. Uh, and that, I think that's been ratcheted up these last couple years. You know, am I going to be okay? And I'll just say this, and, and like, I'm not taking a side in anything. It's silly to me that there are sides, but there's a lot of misinformation. You have to be very careful what you consume, especially when it comes to some of the things in the news right now, because it, it'll have you so twisted up in knots, and you'll feel like there is, in fact, no hope. Let's go to the current times because, right, all this other stuff these last two years let's talk about right now. Some of you may experience geopolitical anxiety. You're like, I don't even know what that word means. Turn on the news and see what's going on in the world. And you might think, this is it. World War III is coming. We're done for. Birch and I lead a group of students out at Southside Christian. Shout out to Southside Christian. I think Autumn's like the only person here who goes there. But um, I was talking with our sophomore boys. Shout out to all sophomore boys. And they were talking this past week about being drafted and we're going to have to go, we're going to have to fight. And I was like, hey, you guys should maybe just like pump the brakes. I don't think we're quite there yet. Calm down. Like you're spinning yourselves up over something that's completely hypothetical. And y'all are maybe laughing at that, but some of you do the same thing. Like you get three degrees removed from anything that actually happened and you're just like, you got to get out of your own head on some of this stuff. I think a lot of us, adults included, have anxiety over like just, just how we look uh, and, and we compare ourselves to other people. Social media is doing you no favors. And I know I sound like an old man yelling at the clouds right now, the internet, not doing that. I think social media is a wonderful tool. However, there are dozens of studies that show a direct correlation between social media usage and anxiety and depression spiking. And so if you're laying there at night in your bed, just scrolling, 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 seeing how perfect everybody else is, and you start to feel like crap about yourself, maybe unplug. Take a break. I promise you it, it can make a huge difference. I want you to think about this. Where is my focus? I gave you a little box on your handout. Take like 10, 15 seconds. In your life, not like right now, you're like, I'm looking at Kevin, I should write that. Don't write that. Where are you focused in life? What dominates your thoughts? What are you dwelling on? What is consuming your every waking moment? It's the thing that is the last thing on your mind when you fall asleep. It's the first thing that pops in your mind when you wake up. You need to write in code or hieroglyphics or whatever because people around you, you can do that. You will know what that is. But I want you to think about what are you focused on? Where is my focus? I would be willing to bet, if I were a betting man, that there is a strong link between whatever you just wrote in that box and some of the source of the anxiety that you might be experiencing. So let's just take school because I know that's a common one. Is that fair? Do you think school is a strong source of anxiety? Okay. 
If that's the last thing you're working on at 2 a.m. and it's the first thing you are working on in the morning because you're stressed out because you haven't been a good manager of your time and I got to make these good grades because if I don't make good grades, I won't go to a good school. And if I don't go to a good school, my life is over, which is not true. But if school is your sole focus, then there's probably a chance that that's a source of your anxiety. Whatever you're focused on is going to largely determine the course of your life. That's why we're talking about this, that Proverbs 4.23 piece, that your heart, whatever you're letting in there, it matters. I'd be real curious, and again, don't raise your hand to be like, I did. Anybody write Jesus? Like, did you write my focus is Christ, my relationship with him? My pursuit of knowing him more? And again, I'm not, I'll write it now. No, I'm not, like... What you write in that box is not a pass-fail thing, but, but I'm just saying to you, if Jesus is not a central focus of your life, and then you wonder why you struggle with all this anxiety, like, what do I do with this? I just, I just don't know what to do. Have you thought about, maybe, turning to Christ? What a shocking stance for the youth pastor to take at church, right? I know. But don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you, you just need to be more spiritual. Hey, just read your Bible a little bit more. Just pray a little harder. Like, get down on your knees and maybe, like, raise your hands. If you just prayed in the right position, you could try out a lot of them. If you just were a little more spiritual, maybe you wouldn't have these struggles with anxiety. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying, because I know what it's like to be you, that a lot of you are putting Jesus as the last priority in your life. He gets the leftovers. He's the, oh, no, I didn't pray today. Hey, God, please, you know, okay. I'm falling asleep in the arms of Jesus. No, like you're just being lazy and not making him a priority. You are. You know you are. Would you consider focusing on Christ? Would you consider making that a central focus so we can see how that affects some of the anxiety that you're wrestling with? I want you to remember this, because I know I'm saying all this, you might feel like you're being attacked, and that is not how I want you to feel. It's okay to not be okay. And I think there's this perception when you walk in the door at church, you got to have it all together. You absolutely do not. There's not a single person here at Brookwood Church who's got everything all figured out. I'm talking about from the top down. If you think Perry Duggar's got it all figured out, you're wrong. He doesn't. And neither do you, and neither do the people around you. That's okay. You don't have to be perfect. It's okay to not be okay. Now, where I would push you and where I would challenge you because I love you is it's not okay to stay that way. If you take stock of your life and you're like, I'm a mess. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. But I'm just going to stay here in my struggle. That's not healthy. That's not where you want to be. It's not okay to stay there. Take some steps. Take some steps in your life. How can you know if you need to take some of those steps? Here are some of the symptoms of anxiety in teenagers. Again, you might just be sitting there going, I don't know, is this me? Recurring fears and worries about routine parts of everyday life. Irritability. Trouble concentrating. Extreme self-consciousness or sensitivity to criticism. Withdrawal from social activity. Stop pointing. Stop being like, her. Um, Chronic complaints about stomach aches or headaches. There's a physiological component to this. Your health is so interconnected. Your spiritual health, your mental health, your emotional health, your actual physical health. You know this. You've been so nervous, so anxious. You've made yourself sick. Drop-in grades, repeated reassurance seeking, sleep problems, substance abuse. 
it's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay there. We've got to take some steps. I've got three keys for you kind of as we wrap up here tonight. Shocking, right? Here it is again, community. Community. Where did I get these keys from? Well, I went and looked at the person we're supposed to look at as the example for our lives. That is, we did it, guys. All right, give yourselves a round of applause. Jesus is who we look at. And I specifically went to the Garden of Gethsemane. If, if you're not familiar with the end of Jesus' life here on earth, uh, he has spent some time talking with his disciples, and then he goes to this garden. And this is uh, what happens. This is Matthew 26, 36, and 38. Uh, it says that he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Wow, it almost seems like Jesus felt some really strong emotions, maybe even some anxiety, anguish, distress. He says, my soul is crushed. Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe this is the most relatable thing you've ever seen about Jesus in the Bible. And I want you to see what he did is he, he took people with him. He didn't withdraw completely by himself. He was in community. He took the 11 disciples with him, and then he took the guys he was closest with even a little further along. If you look in your life and you can't say, hey, these are my inner circle, these are my people, my besties, my homies, whatever you call them these days. I know I'm old. Nobody says homies. If you can't say these are my people when it hits the fan and I got to talk to somebody, if you don't have that, you need to really think about that. And we'd love to get you connected here and, and try to get you in a group that can be that for you. But Jesus thought community was important when he was in this place. I think it's important for you as well. Number two is prayer. Prayer. And you don't have to speak fluent King James English. You're just talking to God. I want you to see what Jesus prayed. Again, this is, this is still, it's in the garden. It says, he went on a little further and bowed his face to the ground praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He goes back, the disciples are sleeping. They were super slack. And then he comes back and prays again. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. I wonder if sometimes we don't ask God to move in powerful ways because we're afraid he won't. Uh, and I just think that you should. I want to share a very significant quote in my life with you. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Michael Scott, The Office, everyone. It's actually a Wayne Gretzky quote. If you're not familiar with this, that's okay. But, hey, are you asking God? Like, God, I need help. Well, no, he won't do anything, so I might as well not ask. No, the Bible is rife with stories of people who were in some tough spots, and they prayed, and God moved in miraculous ways. Now, look at the attitude of Christ here. He said, if it's not possible for it to pass, I'll do it. And in fact, we know that's what happened, but... You should absolutely pray and ask God to move in powerful ways. The last thing here, I think, is resolution. Resolution. I literally just realized that that abbreviation is CPR. Sorry. Um, that's just for you. Look at the end here. Jesus came back to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Again, I told you they were slack. Uh, he says, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. He doesn't say, let's get out of here. Let's run away. Let's act like this isn't happening. He resolves to move into what God has set before him. And some of you just need to take some steps and move forward 
And yes, it may be unpleasant. Yes, you might be in that valley, but we remember from Psalm 23 that He's with us. He's with us. I'm going to invite the band to come back. And I know that when I invite the band to come back, you typically are like, who's in the band? What are they doing? Why is that person moving? Please stay with me here. Because I have two verses left that I want to share with you. I think they're super important. I think they can be helpful for you if you struggle with anxiety. Or if you're like, this doesn't apply to me. I don't struggle with anxiety at all. I don't even know why I'm here. Guess what? Remember the one in three thing? Probably somebody very close to you does struggle with anxiety. Maybe even your parents struggle with anxiety, but they put on a brave face because they're the adult, right? And they have to have it all together, which that's a trap for adults as well. If you struggle with anxiety, I think these two verses in particular can make a huge difference. At least they have for me. Matthew 6, 27. Really the whole back half of Matthew 6 is a great place for you to spend some time doing some homework this week. Matthew 6, 34 is probably one of the three or four verses in the Bible that have changed my life more than any other, but we could talk about that uh, another time. But I want you to see this. Matthew 6, 27, Jesus asks, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Somebody give me an answer. No. What if you worry a lot? Can it add a moment to your life? Yes? No? You know what's actually true? Worry can shorten your life. Again, there's a physiological component here. If you spend your whole life worrying and spinning yourself up over these things, it, it can harm your physical health. So again, I'm not saying what you're doing is pointless. I mean, I guess I kind of am, but what I'm, what I'm trying to help you understand is worry is not the most productive course of action for you. Now, this next verse, 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Some of you think this is just an empty platitude and it does not apply because God certainly does not care about you. And I'm, I'm here to tell you I disagree with you. And I lovingly disagree with you, but I will firmly disagree. I do believe God cares about you. I believe he created you. I believe if you go look at Psalm 139, it says that every moment of your life he knew it in advance. He knows the number of hairs on your head, even if they're very few like me. He sees you, he knows you, he loves you. He does care about you. So take your cares, your anxiety, your worry to God. Instead of first running to your friends and gossiping or trashing people or creating more bitterness and brokenness like Lynn was talking about last week, go to God and ask him to be with you in this valley, to be with you in the anxiety, to move in powerful ways inside of you. I'm gonna pray, the band's gonna play and you guys know we don't, I don't really do the altar call thing here. This is the time to respond. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, respond to him. Pray right where you are. If you need to go talk with somebody, grab any of the adults in this room, you can do that. If you want to stand and sing, you can stand and sing. That's fine too, but this is the time for you to do business with God. Let me pray for you. Father, I know that there are people in this room who are so wrapped up in anxiety they can barely function. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move like a powerful wind through their soul. That you would set them free. That they would know that they are loved. That they can give all of their worry and anxiety to you because you care for them. And then God, I pray you would give courage and conviction to leave this place tonight and take steps. To have hard conversations 
to lean into our community, to maybe sit down across from a counselor. God, whatever step we need to take, would you show us how we can be faithful in following you even as we deal with our emotional and spiritual and mental health. We commit this time to you. Please speak and move. We love you. It's in Christ's name.